The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. fans welcome back to the bird calls sb nations the birdrights.com's podcast i'm your host preston Ells, and we are talking tony allen with our editor-in-chief ali cassell what's up ali nothing man we should be asking you what's up miss mr hurricane i went through everything and i never lost power but yet i've got in-laws i hear <laughs> oh man thank goodness nobody ever listens to this podcast from my family <laughs> i think i'd never hear the end of it we're going on day six right now uh we didn't lose power, but we had pretty substantial leaks. And I don't know if you've ever had like any kind of hurricane type scenario in your house when you've got multiple people all trying to solve the problem at the same time. But let me tell you, it is exciting. <laughs> uh, and not to be. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. He denied his cohort and partner in crime, our Game of Thrones nut, Kevin Berrios. What's going on, Kev? I'm trying to quietly fill a glass of water. (laughs) you're doing a fantastic job man i didn't hear that at all impressive to say the least i think nobody knows i was doing that now Now that you spelled it all i I feel like you're the closed captioning for it ollie let's get to it the biggest story of the week has to be real real gm's report that the pelicans have renounced the draft rights to lebanon's forward azair majuk something like that how shocked are you by this news so, uh, you know, I almost fell down. No, honestly, <laughs> uh, why are we even talking about this? You know, people are going to uh, might as well tell them, go ahead and skip a minute or two in the podcast, because oh. this is not news. This all, all it was, Preston, was, uh, you know, any team that makes a trade where they're dumping salary, you're going to get a return that has usually draft rights to a player that is never going to see daylight in the NBA. And that's all the Pelicans acquired in a trade back for uh, Quincy Pondexter and they're second round pick uh as to why they renounced is kind of interesting um i've heard so many different reasons for it but you know it can be as simple as the agent or the player wanting out of their contract so they can you know be available to talk to other nba teams um if i remember right i think he's about 30 years of age so his window has not completely closed on the nba but again <laughs> he's probably not going to come over so it doesn't matter but the uh, the bigger thing is somebody asked me this on Twitter today is wouldn't we want to hang on to it just in case we want to maybe take on some salary in the form of a dump so we can send him out to another team. And I remember for the longest time that we received uh, Latavius Williams from the Oklahoma City Thunder when uh, God, when was this when we I think we acqu- acquired Norris Cole when, when the Pelicans made a bunch of moves in 2015 for their playoff run. So he was something they acquired, and they've just held on his rights ever since. And so if it, if Del Demps or whoever's the general manager at the time feels the need to take on some salary and uh, re- receive future draft assets as in picks, uh, they've got a player sitting in the wings that they can send back to another team, just like what we did with the guy you pronounced, which I refuse to try and pronounce his name. <laughs> 
Now, that's what we like to call a warm-up question. And for those of you who don't know, Latavius Williams is so well-known that he doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page. So I, <laughs> I, I guess if it's been three years since then, I don't know if uh, we still have the rights to trade him. But it would be hilarious if his career continues as just that guy who's continued in trade conversations. Hey, Preston, I got I to mention this. I did read this, and uh, the Sacramento Kings held on a draft rights for some player. Again, it's a form player out of Europe for 20 years and they renounced him this summer or like a month ago something like that and uh, he was 44 years old so you know what I guess it was time but still I found that amusing I just had to mention that real quick (laughs) there was this journeyman point guard uh some guy an an NBA veteran about 10 years and I can't remember for the life of me what his name is hopefully you guys can but about two years ago he got traded six times within the same season and was so frustrated that he just ended up retiring and I'm the last team I remember him playing for was the Timberwolves he was a backup point guard but the name escapes me so I'll just move right along Kevin the real story right who is it? No, no, it was, it was no, someone he else. He retired. Yeah, I'm, now you've got me stumped. I wonder who that is. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up. Thanks, uh, Preston. While Kevin is giving us this wonderful soliloquy in response to my upcoming question, I'll start researching it. Uh, Kevin, this is the real story. The Pelicans signed former Grizzly, the best defender Kobe Bryant ever faced, Tony Allen, a.k.a. the grindfather, two days ago. Tony Allen is a six-time all-defensive NBA player, including three on the first team and finished on the second team just this past season at the tender age of 35. He won a championship with the Celtics in 2008, and he will be expected to lock down the opponent's best wing score for the Pelicans this season. Last year, he averaged 27 minutes, nine points, five and a half rebounds, uh, starting in 66 of 71 games. The news was broken by the Vertical's 23-year-old and fast-rising star, Shams Charania, hopefully I pronounced that right. Kevin, what are your feelings towards this signing? Uh, I'm I'm all on board, but first I want to just say um, the, whatever that player, the European player's name, you know. Luke Rednauer, Luke Rednauer, there it is. Oh, there you go. But the, the guy you asked Ali about us renouncing is draft rights. I mean, couldn't he have been the next Omri Caspi? Oh, good grief. <laughs> That's enough. We got to let it go, man. I'm a cat piece in the room in there. We got to move on. (laughs) Okay. But yes, uh, Tony Allen. Uh, I think it's a very good signing, especially if it's at the league minimum. I mean, you're looking at a guy who definitely replaced the Solomon Hills um, defensive abilities, keeps the perimeter defense in check. Um, He's a, you know, he's known to be a guy that moves off the ball, which is cool. Can't shoot, which, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's kind of funny, like I had I wrote an off season plan of us uh for us called shooting is overrated and uh they kinda of took it to heart with the uh, our off season editions of Rondo and, and Allen, uh which are just kind of older versions of the guys I suggested, uh Peyton and Simmons. Um but yeah, I mean I think it's the way to go. Keep the defense up. Off everybody's gonna get easy offense because of of Cousins and Davis. So uh, you're playing off of those guys, um, so anything you get on that end is a bonus. Um, and defense is really what what matters for us to win games right now. And I think um, you know you couldn't have found a better guy at the at the moment. And hopefully we still bring someone else in, whether it be Dante uh, Miritich or you know a younger guy off of a on a trade exception. Um, you know I think we're moving in the right direction. Ali, I'm going to throw this to you, but before I do, uh, the Pelicans have grown this season substantially in like IQ, toughness, uh, hilarious media quotes, uh, and and they'll all go way up with with Tony Allen. However, I believe he's a 28% career shooter. He's not going to help space the floor uh, with other featured shooters like Rajon Rondo, who's somewhere around 30%, Drew Holiday, who's around 36%, Davis was 29 last year, and Cousins is 33% career. Where where is the shooting going to come from with this Tony uh, Allen addition? Well, Alvin Gentry is obviously going to have to manage rotations pretty well. Um, it remains to be seen. I'm not totally against seeing Tony Allen spend a lot of time with Rajon Rondo. Um, David, when he wrote about Tony Allen being acquired and going a deeper dive into looking at his numbers, brought up the fact that this guy um, normally – Bases all of his offense around either in transition or off of cuts. Now, granted, and I think Jake Madison brought this up, um, Tony Allen is not the most efficient guy in cuts, but this is the big point that nobody's mentioned so far that bears mentioning. 
Tony Allen averages, you got to look at points per possession, and I've got it right here in front of me. He averaged on cuts, even though he was in the seventh percentile, you know, bottom of the bottom of the barrel, he averaged 0.95 points per possession on, on his cuts, and that comprised of about 25% of all of his offensive plays. Now, the key to remember is you've got to think of where most of a team's offense comes from and what's a lot worse. For instance, isolation and pick and rolls, there's substantially worse numbers. So even though Tony Allen was in the seventh percentile, his .95 points per possession ranks better than, here's a couple of names for you, in isolation, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, .888 for DeMarcus, Anthony Davis, .87. So if they can move the ball and it completely doesn't cramp the style of Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, I think there's a chance that Tony Allen can, you know, see some uh, serious number or serious minutes alongside uh, Rajon Rondo. But to answer your question, <laughs> sorry, Preston, we, we took a little two minutes uh, side sidetrack there. Uh, they're going to have to use some of their shooting guards uh, and the Pelicans have a lot of them. This is what I don't understand. Everybody's complaining. Where's the shooting? Where's the shooting? I think Ian Clark's a good shooter. I think Drew Holiday shows good form and has exhibited in the past um, the ability to make shots at a good rate. And then you've got Jordan Crawford. Remains to be seen how he's going to translate considering uh, he, he bested, uh, what was it, his career average, but I forget how much, but easily set a career best in shooting from long range. But And, and then you've got Etwan Moore. You've got DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, maybe Anthony Davis improves. So I feel like there's a chance that all this can work. Everybody's complaining about shooting, but we really don't know. Is it going to play out? Are people going to regress, uh, like, say, a Jordan Crawford? Or are people going to take steps forward, like an Anthony Davis? Um, it all remains to be seen. That's why I said in the beginning, it's all going to come down to Alvin Gentry managing rotations. If a guy's not hot, you know, one game, go ahead and go for another option. Go ahead and make that, make that switch uh, kind of quickly in the game. You've got five guards five guards that should see minutes. So he's, he's got a war chest to play with. And I think that's going to be the biggest key, just managing the players, go with what's hot, go with what's working, game the game. I don't see any problem with going that route. Who says we need to have a solid five that sees, you know, 30 to 32 minutes a game. That That's not required. I mean, Greg Popovich hasn't gone that route and he's had, you know, five legitimate starters at least on his teams. So if he doesn't see the need to play anybody 30 minutes, why should the Pelicans? Kevin, before before I get to you, I just want to mention that Luke Ridnour was traded four times in one week from the Magic to the Grizzlies to Charlotte to Oklahoma City in trades involving Matt Barnes and Jeremy Lamb. Okay, back to Kevin. Uh, the roster at guard, as Ali was just uh, confessing, is is a bit confusing at the moment. There's there's a lot of possibilities, but there's there's also uh, a lot of uh, uh, I can't think of it benchmarks that that might be confusing as to how to intersperse these players. Tony Allen stands at six four. Uh, as does Etwan Moore, uh, and then you've got six two to six four guards like Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, and Jordan Crawford. We we still don't have a three. Are you putting Tony Allen at the three and just putting him on uh, the the biggest wing player the opposition has, or are you just letting him roam the backcourt until he finds the best player? Well, I mean, one thing I want to go back to a little bit on what Ali was talking about about uh, Tony Allen's offense is that look realistically he's here to replace Solomon Hill who we weren't counting on getting offense from anyway so this is just you know covering the defensive hole that was created it's basically the same concept you're rolling out there so you know I don't think you should panic over his lack of offensive game but to get to your question um, I still think we need a bigger player Um, you know whether that is Dante or maybe you know like trying to get somebody like a Kyle Anderson or or somebody like that to come over that can play the three and the four. Um, it's troubling that we don't have a bigger wing, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in Eastwan Moore's defense and Tony Allen's defense and also Drew Holiday's ability to cover a much bigger player. So, you know, for instance, if if the Allen signing hasn't happened or if he's the guy that's going to come off the bench, then that would mean probably Etwan Moore starting at the three. Um, but in most situations I would think that they would have Drew Holiday covering that three just because of his ability to guard up um you know of course it depends on team matchups but I think that's also something that will help is Drew's ability to guard a much bigger player yeah it's funny that you mentioned uh needing a player with size uh we're going to get back to Tony Allen because obviously this is the story of the week but before we do that 
just moments after the Allen signing, Adrian uh, Wojnarowski broke the news that the Pelicans are inviting former Baylor Bear and Oklahoma City's 28th overall pick, uh, Perry Jones, to training camp after four forgettable years in Oklahoma. Jones spent years in the G League as well as Moscow and like Darius Miller, Josh Smith, Martel Webster, he has not played an NBA minute since 2014. Uh, before we get back to Tony Allen, Ali, what are Perry Jones' chances in training camp? And why haven't the Pelicans signed a legitimate three or a uh, backup four yet? Okay, first of all, I take offense that you just grew uh, <laughs> Darius Miller with H1, or um, excuse me, Darius Miller with uh, Perry Jones and Martel Webster. Two guys. <laughs> are basically done, okay? I don't expect anything out of Perry Jones, nothing. I truly think he's just legitimately, uh, uh, what's it called, a training camp body. He's there to showcase his talent, and it's not even for the NBA. I truly think this guy's just trying to play for a contract anywhere in the world, whether he gets on the G League or goes over to Europe, uh, China, you name it. This guy, I looked at some of his numbers, and granted, he was going downhill while he was in the NBA. But last year, he, he wasn't even playing big minutes in the G League. And he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. From two-point range, it was like in the mid-30s. And then he was well under 30% from three-point range. I don't know how anybody can have any hope this guy bouncing back. Granted, yeah, lightning could strike just like it does in real life. But don't expect it. I don't expect him. I don't expect Martel Webster. Any of these guys having really any chance of coming out of training camp on the uh, Pelicans regular season roster. Um, and that's why I was kind of a little miffed when you include Darius Miller. I think there's some decent expectations of Darius. He actually did wonderfully in Europe. He proved he can at least shoot the three-point uh, ball. He can score. He's got, he's, his mentality has become more aggressive. All that remains to be seen is how can he handle the defensive assignments. And going back to what Kevin said, I think that we've really got to seriously consider Darius Miller starting at the three. Yeah, it could be Tony Allen. It could be Etuan Moore. But I think – Gent and Gentry kind of alluded to in his comments in the last couple of weeks, he's looking for size at that three spot. And I have to assume it's at the start of game because who's going to want to guard or who can guard Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, the bigger, small forwards that start games. Uh, once it gets later in the game and those guys move to sometimes power forward, especially a guy like Durant, they start going in a lot more small ball lineups. That's fine. But to start games, I can honestly see Darius Miller starting games unless of course, as Kevin said, they signed Dante Cunningham or another legitimate. And, I mean, it's got to be a legitimate player. There's no Josh Smith, Martel Webster coming to the rescue. And Perry Jones, three, sorry. I'm sure he's a great dude, but I, I just don't see it. So there's, this really isn't news. Uh, it, it's funny how the Tony Allen signing was followed by that Perry Jones tweet by Wojnowski like an hour or two later, and Pell's fans were getting excited about it too. I, I just kind of laughed at it because there's really nothing to see here. You know, Ollie, this this Darius Miller person you're talking about, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea for an article on thebirdrights.com. Anything like that cooking up? Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> there is. There is. I've got to sit down and write. You know, honestly, I was ready to uh, publish my um, historical piece talking about two all-NBA players and how they fared in, like, the last 10 years. And I can give you a little preview. 61 of the last 64 teams that had two all-NBA players that had won the award in the last three years made the playoffs. But guess what threw a, uh, a wrench into my little plan? Tony Allen. And that's because he has won, what was it, six out of the last seven all-defensive NBA uh, player awards. So I want to look into that. I want to combine that with what I did and see, you know, what, is, what does it mean when you've got three of these types of players on your roster? Does that mean, like, playoffs is, is like a guarantee or what? So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can do that tonight, and hopefully I can publish that piece. And then, of course, then following that will be Darius Miller. Kevin, uh, what, what I meant when I mentioned Darius Miller along with all these guys is that we don't have a proven in the NBA three or backup four or five at this moment. And we know the tenacious defender that Tony Allen is, but uh, the, the fact of the matter is when he's matched up against bigger wing players like Kawhi Leonard and uh, Kevin Durant, who can simply just shoot over him and, and use their length and their strength over him, He's going to struggle, and the Pelicans just haven't haven't brought in anybody capable of even doing like like Dante Cunningham. We've done this to death, but he did uh, play pretty well against LeBron James in that famous Terrence Jones game, where Terrence Jones put up something insane, like thirty six points, and uh, rejected LeBron at the at the rim. In many ways, the most exciting game of the year, if you ask me. But Kevin, 
we're we're just about two weeks from training camp. How long before we add that proven body to at least spell Darius Miller and uh, and Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins off the bench? I would think it'd have to be by the end of the week, middle of next week. You know, they, I'm sure they have something in the works. You know, they're probably talking multiple trade options, talking to Dante, uh, seeing where his head's at, seeing what's going on with him in Minnesota, and, you know, trying to negotiate deals like plan Bs with teams for, you know, using the trade exceptions and whatnot like that. I mean, I'm sure that's what's happening right now. And it's just a holding pattern, but I'm, I'm sure they're ready to get that going. And um, as far as uh, as Ollie with his uh, two all-star piece, he's like, he must be like one of those guys that, uh, you know, there's some sturdy sinks, uh, dishes in the sink, but he's like, well, you know, we're going to cook dinner later. So we might as well wait till that one comes in. <laughs> Yeah. Ali, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> yeah, one thing we got to mention is that it seems Minnesota really is chasing Dante Cunningham, and that's surprising that, like, for instance, I think yesterday Darren Wolfson of ESPN Radio talked about how Timberwolves are still in on Dante Cunningham, and today John Krasinski uh, tweeted out that the Wolves have been putting the full-court press on Dante Cunningham. That's great and all, but... I mean, if they're this optimistic that they can get him, honestly, they, they think they might have a chance of getting him at the minimum. And that's kind of scary to me because the Pelicans can offer him, you know, somewhere up to around 3.8, 3.9 million just for next season alone, a substantial increase on what the uh, Timberwolves will be able to give him. So the fact that this is still news from another team's perspective that can only offer the minimum. And according to uh, our buddy Max over at Bourbon Street Shops, the Pelicans have offered Dante Cunningham something above you know, the veteran minimum. So the, the fact it hasn't been done yet is concerning. Um, I don't know. I, like I've been saying all summer, you guys know, as we've talked about, I thought it would take cunning or, you know, a decent amount of money to bring Cunningham back. Cause he's put in the blood, sweat and tears. He uh, forego his, uh, was a 3.1 million player option. So I think the expectation was always there for, on his side that he was going to get paid more if he was going to come back to new Orleans. So for him to take anything, you know, at, at that level or less, has got to be something that's, I think, in the back of his mind or maybe at the forefront. I don't know. And so he's probably considering, you know, going maybe somewhere else on a one-year, playing his butt off, and then trying to seek a good contract. Maybe he's that myth. I don't know. But it's concerning. Ali, the Timberwolves roster is – sorry, Kevin, before I get to you. It's, it's, a, it's a little stacked at the moment. They just brought back Shabazz Muhammad. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Kevin, but uh, I just want to make sure that our listeners know that Shabazz Muhammad has been added to the mix. Mm-hmm. So the Timberwolves are stacked at least too deep at every position right now. Go ahead, Kevin. Um, I was going to say, well, I mean, maybe we're actually thinking about it the wrong way. I mean, maybe Dante is actually the plan B and they are trying to get, uh, you know, a better player or a younger player, or, you know, more of a young, young vet kind of guy in and working on the negotiations with that. And if, you know, it doesn't come out what they like, then they fall back to Dante. And as far as, uh, I mean, I understand what Ollie's saying, but at the same point, uh, he would be walking away from more money to take less, to get less playing time to try to prove himself. And, you know, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the team that spurned him. You know, he opted out. They've been talking to him about coming back, trying to figure things out. They have to move on. If he's not deciding, you know, they have to start filling out the roster. But this is a place where he grew. I mean, he, you know, he was a terrible three-point shooter in the beginning of his career, and then he developed into a very good one. You know, they gave him a chance when people were counting him out because of uh, the domestic violence uh, charge that ended up uh, being proven to be bogus. Um, You know, all of those things are, you know, and I'm sure he's, like, friends with his teammates. So if I'm him, if, if... this team has offered me a little bit more money. It seems like I have a much clearer path to more playing time. I have a comfort zone. I grew with this organization. I'm going to take this and play for sure, even if the money was even. Yeah, Kevin, I agree with you there. That's why I'm thinking it might be more agent-oriented. I think maybe the agent expected more for his client, and therefore he's the one that's more missed. Because I totally agree. The Pelicans gave this guy an opportunity when – um, nobody else did, and uh, despite I think his legal battles weren't even settled yet at that point when they did sign him. So yeah, I could that that's a very good point. Um, and also what you also mentioned, maybe this isn't even it. Maybe he is a plan B. I I, I hadn't even considered that until you said that. To be honest with you, it makes sense with a trader play exception. Maybe if the Pelicans are trying to get rid of Ashik um, or Agenta, 
and then they're willing to package a future first round and in return maybe get, you know, a player that's kind of going to fit that salary um, that Dante Cunningham is going to earn. Maybe that's the route they're taking. That's, that's a very good point. I didn't think, think of that before. It's going to be the subject of conversation all the way heading into October 17th against the uh, Grizzlies, which all of a sudden uh, has some weight to it with Tony Allen uh, being part of our squad. But uh, let's let's get to the overall grade for the offseason at this point, Kevin. The, the offseason has has been pretty much a roller coaster. It's been pretty much nonstop. The offseason is supposed to be a little bit slower after July 1st. But from the stalemate between uh, Loomis and Dempson Gentry to the, the holiday incentive-laden contract, the, the Chris Finch hiring, the Nick Young, Ty Lawson uh, rumors, the trade conversations with the Rockets, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Misty Surrey scandal, the boogie quotes, and now to Tony Allen, Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, and Darius Miller. Uh, we, we certainly haven't been short on news at any point this offseason, but at, at this point, heading into training camp, we're so close. How, how would you grade the Pelicans offseason? that for me or for Ollie? That's for Kevin. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to give him a B. I mean, um, you look at, if you want to include sort of you know, the whole Cousins being brought in and then reshaping the team, bringing in a coach that, uh, you know, is an offensive coach that sort of neuters Alvin Gentry style to, to play through the big man, to use him as a, uh, as a point guard, which I really like. Um and then you added, uh, you know, there were questions about Drew Holiday's playmaking. You added another proven playmaker. I mean, he has baggage, obviously, but you're giving him, you know, he's not, you're not paying him a lot. And that's one of the big things. They didn't overpay for, they didn't overpay for anybody this year, which is, well, you know, that's a huge bonus so far. You know, all the contracts have been good. You brought in quality players. Um, Solomon Hill goes down. You replace them with one of the best perimeter defenders in the league over the last 10 years. Um, so with with what they had to work with, I think they did a very good job. I mean, and it's not done. I still think, you know, you're going to see another player brought in and that's going to, you know, really solidify things, whether that's Dante or whether that's taking a gamble on a young guy to fit in the trade exception. Um, so I'm pretty satisfied with this offseason. I, I really like that we have a weirdly built team that doesn't mirror the rest of the league. You know, they they have to match up against us more than we have to match up against them because they're playing everybody that looks like them every week. So they're built that way, and that's how they're used to playing, whereas we're the odd wrench that they have to prepare differently for. Meanwhile, we're just preparing for them um, like everybody else because they're exactly the same as everybody else, you know. So I think um, we're in a very well, good spot. Well, I think we're a lot better than people uh, – think we we are and I, I really like that we're kind of counted as the underdog ollie what's your take hey preston knock your socks off buddy i'm giving them an a oh Listen, good grief. We, man <laughs> last year last year the pelicans had so much cap space and look how they spent it i was never on board the solomon hill signing from the get-go i think i gave it a c or c minus if i remember right the only one i was really excited about was the etuan moore signing who honestly he kind of didn't live up to that uh, expectations. This time around, the Pelicans absolutely had to resign Drew Holiday. So therefore, all they had to work with was exceptions. And if you think about all the players they've been able to sign just with uh, the taxpayer or the non-taxpayer MLE, Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, and um, oh god, and who am I? Oh, Darius Miller. I think that's outstanding. Can you imagine if instead they had just maybe gone in and signed Nick Young or somebody else that demanded money, or we bring in Jamal Crawford? Um, I am very excited. Like, and as Kevin mentioned, these, these guys that were brought in, they fill in a lot of needs. I love Rajon Rondo for the simple fact that Drew Holiday obviously needed some help with the ball handling department. And I have always said this with this team ever since Monty Williams first, you know, kind of laid the foundation with Anthony Davis um, as to where he was kind of the guy in charge on the sidelines and all the players had to follow suit. He uh, pretty much dictated roles and the offense, and everything had to be this and that. So when Gentry came in, these guys, there's nobody that grabbed the bull by the horns. There's nobody. Granted, Ty- Tyreek Evans kind of did put the team on the back, but that was still when Monty Williams was in 2015. But after that, the guy was always hurt. So I always felt like he was the biggest type A personality the team had. And with him being hurt the last couple of seasons for the Pelicans, there was really nobody else to take charge. So bringing in Rajon Rondo, 
is not only just going to help with the ball handling, some assists, and hopefully defensively, this guy, what he's going to bring in terms of experience and just pumping up every guy, telling them where they should be, having another coach on the floor is going to be huge. Um, I th- I'm hoping that we get to see some of that in preseason even. I hope that it starts off, you know, this starts the, the Pelicans off on, you know, at least, you know, God, let's hope for like a five and five start. And that would be gravy considering how poorly they've started the last two years. And then you've got Darius Miller, who's an accomplished shooter, and he's pretty much making around a minimum. And then Ian Clark, who people were saying, he, this guy's going to make eight to 10 million. And what are we getting for? The minimum. I think it's been outstanding. DeMarcus Cousins has helped. He's campaigned a lot from what we've read and heard, but Dell Demps is the ultimately the guy that's made all these decisions and uh, along the other rest of the people he trusts in the front office. But how, I don't understand how you cannot grade them highly considering the lack of space they've had to work with and what they needed. And they had a lot of holes. I mean, there's a reason why your team with the superstar wins less than 40 games two years in a row. So I, I think this has been outstanding. So, hey, I give them an A. What about you, Preston? What grade would you give them? Oh, turning it around on me. I'm so glad you asked because I am the naysayer of this group. I'm going to give them a C minus. And it's not this offseason's moves in a vacuum. I really want to give them a D. It's something that Jeff Duncan and I talked about of Times Picayune earlier this offseason. And it's all about a long term plan. Dell Dems and the New Orleans Pelicans have again and again uh, just displayed an absolute absent mindedness as far as a long term plan. From the Ashik uh, signing, uh, pairing Anthony Davis next to a big center, to making him the small ball center, to the Solomon Hill. It's it's just continually throwing darts at a board. Last year, we saw three different teams from without the Drew Holiday to the Drew Holiday to the DeMarcus Cousins. We've got the incentive-laden contract uh, that Bobby Marks actually just uh, release some of the 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 information as to if Holiday appears in 66 games this season, he'll earn 510k. Uh, if he plays in 67, he'll get 255. If he averages seven and three, he gets even more. And last season, he averaged 7.3 and four rebounds. Uh, so all of these incentives are are seeming more and more likely. And again and again, we're just seeing after the Drew Holiday signing, all these 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 late uh, additions were just moves of desperation by a general manager who seemingly does not have a plan. And going forward, we've we've accrued no assets. We have nothing worth trading. We have nothing that any team would want sans our 2018 pick. We have very few movable contracts, maybe Etuan Moore being the only one among them. And with that being said, what does a first-round pick and Etuan Moore get you? in today's NBA next season, should we even bring back DeMarcus Cousins? Do we even have the space affordable to bring back any of these players? Should Rajon Rondo explode and Ian Clark and, and Tony Allen? We we don't have the principle to bring these guys back. We're, we're stuck in a very difficult position, even should this all work out. And yes, after talking to Ralph Malbro, there's certainly so much to be excited about when you're pairing two of the best young players in, in the league together, two guys who really like each other, have great, great quotes. Anthony Davis being a great guy, all defense. He's only going to get better. How exciting to have him on your team. But with that being said, I I think Dell Demps has to go. And I think it's too late for him. I think none of these moves make up for the mistakes that he's made. I think DeMarcus Cousins bought him this offseason. And now that we're here, we're giving him the rest of the season. But I think we're just months away from him making another disastrous move. Kevin, uh, do you have a response to any of this? Yeah, um, I would say... Before you started talking, I was thinking what Ollie was saying um, was making me also think that I was I, I meant to say this, but like one of the greatest acquisitions this offseason had was an identity, and um, so I a little bit differ on what you're saying there as far as no long term plan because the identity obviously is you're building a trio around uh, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and Drew Holiday, and the that that identity is big. It changed and, the day that he landed the Marcus Cousins. Yeah. 
But but Alvin Gentry was just quoted a few months ago on Wojnarowski's uh, podcast, and when he was on Duncan Holder, he kept emphasizing that the team needed shooters. And again and again, you're seeing that we're not bringing any in. And Ali did address it with Ian Clark, who's a 36 percent shooter. Uh, but I, I mean, how many minutes is he going to get? Now we've got Tony Allen as a starter. We've got Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday paired together. Drew Holiday was a 40 percent shooter before Demarcus Cousins was acquired, but after that, he was 35 percent. So it just it just seems like there's there's no forethought. It's kind of a what what can we grab? What can we take? Okay, we'll take that player. We'll take that player. We'll we'll fly to Kentucky and we'll we'll try to woo Rajon Rondo. But Rondo, but there's no there's no forethought to any of this. There's no plan, Ollie. Well, I, I, I completely say, disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Kevin. You go first. Go ahead. Is that um, you know they're. I mean, you're going to get offense from Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins no matter what. Now they're building an identity of defense. Every player on our roster, aside from, you know, possibly Jordan Crawford and Cecchiallo at this moment in his career, are not adequate defenders in the, in the NBA. Most of the guys on our team are above average at their position, defending their position. So if you're guaranteed to get good offense from two players, possibly a third, and then you have these other guys who can shoot, but they're all NBA level or higher, you know, average or higher defenders, then that's something that's not valiant. And that's going to create a difference. And I think that's part of building the identity is that we're, we're big and we defend. And then, but also I do agree a lot with what you said about uh, the future in the sense that a lot of these guys are on one year deals, minimum deals, prove it deals. And, you know, there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to bring a Tony Allen back or that you want to next year because he's going to be, you know, another year older or like a Rondo. Um, but the thing is, is if you have those three cornerstone pieces, you can maybe always find a couple of guys that will sign for the for the minimum in the similar kind of situations to fill in those gaps now that you have a draw, now that you have superstars that are working together, now that you have some excitement. And as far as Alvin Gentry goes, to me, he's just a figurehead at this point. I don't think he's really the head coach of this team. I mean, I think he's the mouthpiece they send out because he's funny to talk. He gives you a good sound bite. But I think they realized that his style and his way of running the team wasn't working. And uh, bringing in an offensive and a defensive coordinator and changing the system and bringing in players that don't fit him at all. Um and building an identity that didn't fit him. I mean, he they just didn't want to fire him, maybe because he helped uh, bring Cousins here. Maybe they don't want to pay dead money. But this is, I mean, he's old. He's entering the, uh, what, a team option on his, year, on his contract next year. I'd be very surprised if he comes back. I think even if we are good, I think, which I expect this to be, I think you're going to see either Ehrman or Finch be the head coach next next season, no matter what. I mean, I think... Gentry is done and they know it. And, um, you know, so I don't really care what he's saying in the media because he's not really running the show behind the scenes as far as I'm concerned. And Ali, I think that further emphasizes my point because Gentry's first season, they had that 351 uh, record setting injuries. Last season, he had, uh, I don't know, about 10 to 12 games without Drew Holiday. Then they played 500 ball with Drew Holiday. And then they get DeMarcus Cousins. And now all these offseason moves, the hiring of Darren Ehrman, of Chris Finch, seemingly to take the offense away from Chris Finch, making Alvin Gentry a, a figurehead as Kevin just said, and now they're assembling pieces that seemingly fit more to what Darren Ehrman would want to do and completely taking away anything that Gentry has said multiple times to the press this offseason that he wanted. Uh, why why doesn't it feel like to you, Ali, that there's a, a stark contrast between needs and wants in the front office right now? Okay, first of all, let, let's go back to what you said. You, you surmised with Jeff Duncan that there's absolutely no plan. I completely disagree. I think when DeMarcus Cousins, first of all, Dell Demps got lucky landing another superstar in this league. And yes, it's another big and that that's where the league is not trending. But again, when he did that, it changed everything. You suddenly have two of the most powerful, best offensive minded uh, abilities, you name it, in the post out to the three point line. So you've got to start building there. And then when you said there's no plan in regards to look at all these guys they are bringing in on one year contracts. That is the plan. You've got to, tr this is almost like a trial and error. Let's hope we get enough of what we need because 
they first of all they can't overburden the salary cap sheet. You've just signed Drew Holiday. Anthony Davis is going to get big money, and if you have any hope of um, keeping Demarcus Cousins, you're going to give have to hand him max money. So there's not going to be much space left after that. So these one-year contracts, I have absolutely no problem with. I don't know why people think that is that signals a lack of direction. It doesn't to me. They've brought in a renowned defender. They brought in a renowned leader, uh, floor general, something we haven't seen in this city since Chris Paul. They've got three-point shooting. Now, whether it's going to perform when they're put on the spot, that's the question. But there's guys that will take three-point shots, something we didn't see last year when DeMarcus and Anthony were playing a lot together. Drew Holiday had no confidence. Buddy Heald, gone. Langston Galloway, gone. Then you've got Wayne Selden, Hollis Thompson. These guys are trying to not make mistakes. They're, they're NBA newbies, so to speak, and they're just simply trying to play for any kind of contract. So their biggest, they, they've got fear. They're probably playing with fear. So these guys aren't going to be knocking them down. And then you've got Solomon Hill and Dante Cunningham, the two corner boys. They're reluctant shooters. They're reluctant scorers, and that's their mindset. So to say that the Pelicans don't have anything, that they did nothing is ridiculous. They brought in Jordan Crawford last year, who we saw what he can do. Um, whether he maintains it or not is another question, but the guy's got an aggressive mindset. And I think, I think he's matured enough as to where I think he's, he's going to maintain some kind of level of efficiency moving forward. Uh, Ian Clark was an outstanding, incredible college three-point shooter. He was granted on a Golden State Warrior team that was full of talent. So everybody's saying he's a product of the system. I don't believe it. I've seen enough video footage of this guy in cuts. Um, showing off shots, not just a three-point shot, having an in-between game, it can get into the rim. Um, and then you've got Darius Miller who dropped bombs, and this guy had no hesitation. I've watched three full games with him over in Broge from last season. This guy will shoot him. So, again, and then you've got DeMarcus Cousins. He's not going to be reluctant. And then you've got Drew Holiday, who should have a hell of a lot more confidence. So, again, everybody's talking about no plan. I see a plan. They want a one-year contract. They got some shooters. Yeah, it's not a Jamal Crawford. It's not these typical, for the typical fan, big names that have done it repeatedly. And for me, that means big volume shooters. I don't want a big volume shooter on this team. We've got DeMarcus and Anthony. They better be taking all the damn shots when they're even close to being free. Then you've got Drew Holiday, who is, you know, I think he's still a talent that can play up to a lot bigger expectations. Um, And then I've got to mention this. You mentioned, I think, Kevin, that uh, it doesn't matter what Alvin Gentry says, and I agree to a certain point. But what I find interesting is towards the end of last season, I went to the season-ending presser. Alvin Gentry maintained that this team is going to play with pace, that they're gonna, that's going to be their identity, that DeMarcus Cousins better get in shape, blah, blah, blah. You know what? He, he's, he's changed. When he was on uh, the radio with Sean Kelly on uh, the Black and Blue Report, he said he basically, you know, made it all about DeMarcus and Anthony playing from the post. Let's take advantage of our uh, size. He has changed his mindset. He said they would be stupid. And and this was in a coaching staff meeting. They would be stupid not to take advantage of their size. These guys have a plan. They know what they're doing. And I actually have more trust in Alvin Gentry than I ever did even before he, he failed, before the Pelicans started losing games before he first arrived. I'm actually, I, I've got confidence. And then, as you mentioned, Preston, they've brought in Chris Finch and Darren Ehrman. Yes, he's succeeding his role and, and the Pelicans defense made strides. So there's nothing wrong with trying to maintain that and then working with what you have. And I think that's why Chris Finch was brought in. I still don't think Denver Nuggets should have been as good as they were last year. They've got a great passer in Jokic, but they had no point guard. You know, they got nobody flashy. Jameer Nelson, the guy's done. Jamal Murray had no uh, experience, and yet these, these guys were right there with Houston Golden State. If, they, if Chris Finch was a part of a system that made that work, I can't wait to see what he does with our guys. So I, I am hopeful, and I am excited, and I think Pelicans should be too. I think there is kind of a plan. It's a short-term plan, but it's a plan where there's options, where we've got five, six guards, where the team can rely on their big middle. And as Kevin mentioned, this is a great point. I love the point. We have the advantage of facing teams that aren't prepared to play us. It's the bottom. It, it's the truth. Everybody's going small ball. So, hey, our, our depth lineups, our small ball lineups, we're going to get a lot of practice in, and we're going to use those lineups a lot. 
you can't use it against the Pelicans. Hopefully, hopefully we'll punish them to death, and therefore we'll be that outlier that everybody has a problem with. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies made a living on it, but they never had a dynamic duo like we do. So, yeah, I, I'm, maybe I've had a couple glasses of wine, maybe not, but I'm excited. I don't see why other people, and especially you, buddy, Preston, why you're so disheartened. I, I really don't see it. I think that's the way we should have looked at it, but there's been things that, you know, the game plan has changed. The, the team roster, the makeup, the coaches' plan, everything, it's changed. And, you know, I'm seeing it. I, I wish others would too. Let me uh, let me just say this. Um, I think what you said about Gentry, I think that more uh, is an argument for my point that, like, somebody who's, you know, even at the end of the season after having about half a season of those two bigs was like, okay, I'm going to – we're still going to play fast. He needs to get in shape. We're going to play fast and play pace. Then all of a sudden, uh, Del Demps brings in uh, – Chris Finch and is like, okay, this guy's running the offense. Now all of a sudden, Alvin Gentry, who has always wanted to play fast, even after a half of a season with two bigs, is now saying, oh yeah, we're gonna play through those big guys now. I think it's more of like he's buying the company line. You know, it's like you either get on oh, board with sure. it. But the fact that they're now towing that line that we've all we all asked for last year, and that didn't really work. Aren't you excited by that? I don't care. Most coaches are oh, figureheads. Yeah. We've, we've all talked like, about that. I don't that. care about Gentry anymore, like, because I don't think he, his, like, his vision is what the team is doing anymore. It's, you know, it's, we're, we've, like, completely neutered him, and I think that's a great thing for this team. I mean, I never wanted him to begin so? with. Awesome. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you this. He was a part of Steve Kerr's group where they, um, where Steve Kerr made a point that everybody had a voice, everybody could speak where he was just basically a manager of all the personalities of all the ideas. And he just basically had to, you know, delve, you know, delve out minutes. I think Gentry might be capable of handling that. Um, if he's got somebody that's on his bench, giving him certain stats and is in his ear, um, why can't he handle that? What's wrong with him just being a figurehead? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm fine with it this year because he's not the one that's, implementing the offense and and playing the five i mean last year how many times did we see five out that was insane you have anthony mm-hmm. davis and DeMarcus cousins out past the three-point line everybody's behind the three-point line nobody's under the basket i mean i remember seeing that at least 10 times and that should oh, never yeah. happen like you know so as far as the x's and o's go taking that out of his hands great i mean think about like monty williams he was I didn't like him as a coach. I thought, you know, he was good at motivating players, I guess, and get, getting things out of certain kinds of players, but not out of others. But, it, you know, he he sort of – I mean, I don't know. I don't want to bash him too much, but, like, he um, – No, no, I get what you're saying. I wasn't a proponent of his early on, too. Like, I got slammed is, for that, too. The main flaw, though, was rotations and timeouts. And I think Gentry is fine at timeouts and okay with rotation. So if that's what he's doing, then great. And if the X's and O's are coming from Finch and Ehrman, even better. Yeah, I just think it's a big deal that today's today's NBA, you've got, it's great to have, you know, unless you're a super genius like Popovich, um, it's better to have a group working out there as, as coaching staff. And I think that's what Gentry is signaling to me, that he is willing to go with what Ehrman says, what Finch says. He's willing to totally entrust them. As I know, I mean, as you noticed during timeout last year, who, when the Pelicans didn't have possession, there was a timeout call. Who did all the talking? It was always Ehrman. Gentry just stood basically on the sidelines, kind of out of the huddle. So I think that's great that there's certain responsibilities being dealt out. And we saw that. How wonderfully it works on the defensive end, and maybe it'll now work on offense with Chris Finch aboard. I don't know. I don't see a problem with Gentry nearly as much as I did when he first arrived. And the fact that he's now talking to the media about doing, you know, what we've all asked for, you know, let's punish teams with our size. Hey, that's great. That that that's the best news I could have heard out of the, uh, our head coach all season. I'm happy. Kevin, I'm sorry. I'm going to wrap it up right there. Ollie, I don't know what you're drinking, but I love it, man. Keep keep pouring it in. You got me jacked up. I'm excited about this season. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Maybe it's going to work. Teams are not prepared to play us. Nobody's going to know how to handle 
three uh, defensive guys out there and the two biggest, baddest guys on the court. It's definitely going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be fun to watch. So I am excited to watch it all unfold. I'm just worried about, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about next season already. And I, I need to stop getting ahead of myself and just watch this season because maybe it's all going to work out. I'm going to take this out on a positive note. All right, that's all the time we have now, Pelicans fans. But we do have our first mailbag pod coming up this weekend with our friends Trevor Ritchie and Travis Tate. So look forward to that Sunday night. We've got questions from Amar, David Foles, Splash Mountain, Clint White, Landon Blocker, J-Rob, among others. If you'd like to join them, tweet at Preston Ellis or email at Preston Ellis, or sorry, that's not how you do that. Preston Ellis at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to make fun of me and my bad take and giving us a D, please, uh, I'll, I'll take it in stride and I'll feature it on Sunday's episode. Now you can follow our friends, Kevin at Kevin B for bounce and Ali Cassell at his newfound Twitter handle I'll, at Ali Cassell. And let me just spell that for you guys. O L E H. K-O-S-E-L. I did not know how to pronounce it. I actually listened to Ali on on another podcast to make sure I knew before I asked him about it. Uh, But right now we've got some uh, great stuff on thebirdrights.com. We've got stuff from Ali, Fish, Nico, Trevor, as well as some awesome trade ideas from Kevin. I've been Preston Ellis. Please send any and all questions to me. And as always, please retweet, share. Go on to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and rate our podcast, please. For more, go to blogtalkradio.com slash thebirdrights to hear pods from our staff, as well as Mike, Michael McNamara of Bourbon Street Shots and Ralph Malbro of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. But for now, Ali, any party shots? No, man. Well, I think we've taken up enough of our listeners' time. All right. <laughs> Kevin, say goodbye. All right. See you guys. Let's go, pals. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.